final hour. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. Warriors in the Grizz. Tomorrow, game one, round two. It's the Western semifinals, and we got you covered here on 95-7, the game, as the Warriors trying to uh, – man, it was it was, it was was something special at Chase on, on Wednesday. I know you had an opportunity to do the – the pregame with with Ray and, and and I was out there for the game and, and did the postgame out there. It, it, there was something almost cathartic, Whitey, about the Warriors winning a playoff series for the first time in in one thousand and seventy three yeah. days. I mean, it just yeah. it, everything that's gone on in the world and with this organization in the last three years. It, it it was almost hard to believe, and I know we lived that nineteen twenty season of which we do not speak but but to see the warriors back in position to where they were they were contenders again was it was something special it really was yeah it was a cause for celebration and i think there had to be some relief there that's why that place got built because the warriors were so good and then you know you build a new arena and you open with two gap years like oh there's no playoffs and then to bridge that gap and you're back in the postseason not just in the postseason but with a legitimate chance to advance deep into the playoffs and maybe win it all I think it's um, you know validation of everything the way the Warriors have gone about it I want to ask you real quick JD I'm just looking at this series the the whole issue of who's starting okay Clay Wiggins Green Pool Curry I, I don't see how I can start that lineup against the Grizzlies. And maybe there's something I'm missing here, but if you if they're starting Brooks, Jackson, Tillman, Bain, and Morant, I, I just think I have a real hard time matching up with that smallish three-guard lineup against that Grizzly lineup. It's really important to get off to a good start, especially given that Memphis has struggled a little bit out of the gates here. But I just feel like if I start that group, I, I'm giving up something somewhere key, and I, I just feel like Looney – will be in, and needs to be in the starting lineup tomorrow. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I'm looking at it. Well, and I would say this, where there was a case to be made in Game 5 of the Nuggets series, and, and I think we talked about this coming out of, of Game 4, there was a case to be made to, to give Looney backup minutes and maybe match him up with, with DeMarcus Cousins at some point. I don't see where the backup slot is for Looney in this series. Like, if he's not going to start, when does he even play? And mm-hmm. so I think... That being said, you you almost should start him with the group that that he's used to starting with over the over the course of the season, and and I'm with you. I look at at Jaw and 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 Bain and Brooks, and I'm thinking, no, you got to have Steph and Clay, uh, and and Wiggins out there for those three, and then you want you know Draymond and, and Jaron Jackson are out there. Uh, obviously, Draymond's going to roam around some, and then you figure out, all right, if if the Grizzlies go with Tillman. Uh, then, then you have Looney out there. You just, you just start a calm, stable lineup, and I think you, you almost try to use Jordan Poole as, as an X factor. I think a little bit in this series, Whitey. Yeah, I agree with you. And by the way, you know Tillman is kind of like to the Grizzlies what Looney is to the Warriors, where he starts, but you know he's not one. Of, he's not one of their five best players. Only played eleven and a half minutes last night. So if they have Clark on the floor instead of Tillman, and Clark has been playing really well. Um, then, you know, the whole issue of allowing Draymond to roam, that, that gets a little tougher, too, if you have Clark on, their, uh, on the floor instead of Tillman. So just another thing to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I'll be really surprised if this whatever, you know, the, the nickname bunch, if they start tomorrow, I'm, I'm really interested to see. But I'll be really surprised if that's the starting lineup. 
Yeah, I, I would too. I, I, I think I, I would as well. Let's get Coach and Vallejo on the phones. Back to the phones. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Hey, hey, Coach, you're on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, JD and White. Good to talk to you. Um, are you ready for thirty minutes of GP two? And here's why I say that. Uh, GP two is the only one that can get the ball out of uh, John Morant's hand and make someone else be a playmaker. Uh, so GP two, uh, I think Kerr and Kerr loves this. He's going to put him on John Morant, and I actually wouldn't be surprised if GP2 starts. Now, the Jordan Poole thing, I am not too worried about because Jordan Poole's points are, are Clay's and Steph's points. He made his name when either one or the other were out. Now they're both back. And this game, too, is not for, really for Jordan Poole because even though he drives to the hoop real well, he finishes below the rim. They got too many lone guys for that. They're waiting for that. They're going to be blocking that shot. So I think you're going to see GP2 an uh, awful lot in this series. And the only other person got a chance with Ja would be Wiggins. What do you think? Appreciate it. I think Wiggins is going to have to be on Ja Morant. Uh, as far as the, the 30 minutes of pool, I mean, would the Warriors dare start uh, Gary Payton the second, rather? Would they dare start him? And I don't know that physically, Whitey, he can play 30 minutes a game in a playoff series. I know when he's been extended and the Warriors have, I think at times, tried not to extend him, even to the point where you kind of wonder why he didn't play more, and that's popped up at at different times. Mm -hmm. I, I think there is some concern that physically maybe he can't hold up with a, an extreme load over and over and over and over. Yeah, especially because if he's guarding Jaw, not that Jaw would be on the floor the whole time, but that's going to be really, really hard work to do that for 30 minutes. Uh, I think Coach is on the money as far as it's going to be John and GP2. Uh, excuse me, it's going to be Wiggins and GP2 on Jaw. You, you made that point last week or the week before that you know we were talking who's going to guard jaw he said well it's going to be wiggins yeah but if you start peyton in addition to worrying about his minutes if you start him instead of pool i think you're right back to where we just were as far as size wise um i think you have trouble matching up with their front court there but we're going to see a lot of gp2 and he's going to be one of the keys and the thing about um you know, Minnesota did this well, actually. They got the ball out of Jaw's hands. One of the reasons they had so many turnovers last night forced others to, to, to play make. Jaw didn't shoot well. He did get to the line a lot. He's a really good player. But, um, yeah, the Warriors will want to be getting the ball out of his hands, as Minnesota did so successfully. 888-957-9570. Let's uh, Gene in Oakland next year on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Gene. Hey, fellas. Yeah, really interesting. Coach said almost exactly what I was going to say. Um, I, as many other Warrior fans, have become a huge GP2 uh, fan myself. So I was even wondering if uh, starting him in place of, of, of uh, Jordan Poole might not be a bad idea. I, mean, I understand that the health concerns and he has been injury prone. I mean, he's still only 28 years old, but, you know, he's he's not only playing the lead defense, he's, he's scoring for us. And and he's become a, you know, he's become our X factor. Uh, without him in the fourth quarter last game, we don't win that game, and we're looking at a game six right now. So, and looking forward, I'm I'm hoping there's a way that we can find to to keep this guy. I mean, I know his dad has said the the Warriors are not going to be able to afford him. That would be unfortunate. But I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on all of these points. 
Yeah, appreciate the call. I, I think it would be a stunner if he winds up in the starting lineup, Whitey, in, in, in this series. That would that would be maybe it's something that the Warriors would go to at some point. I I think that would be a stunner, though, if they did that. Big part of the of the equation, there's no doubt. But to me, you have to figure out a way with your with your regular lineup, at least at the start of games, to be able to to be able to to hold your own against Ja Morant. Yeah, I, I think he is still at this point, um, to his credit, because remember, this is a guy that, it, you know, before the season started, nobody even wanted him, but I still think he helps you the most in shorter bursts, and he brings the energy, and he's even bringing some offensively as well with the threes from the dunker spot, but especially defensively, comes in and energizes the defense. If you start him... You lose some of that because, to your point, you, you can't expect him to play major minutes. I totally understand. You, know, you saw him play last game, any of us. I understand why Gene or anyone would say, that guy should be starting. I just don't know that he's capable of giving you what he give, gave you in the last game as a starter over extended minutes. And I think he, you're best served playing him, uh, spotting him here, spotting him there. That's when you get the full benefit of GP2. Yeah, and and look, I mean, maybe it's, I think there is a little little recency bias I think going on as far as as far as he helped them win that game five in advance when when nobody really offensively was playing well other than other than Steph Curry, and he helped them win game three in Denver. I mean, he hit mm-hmm. the, the three threes in the in the first half of that game. If the Warriors don't get that production from him, maybe we're talking about. Uh, a different series. I mean, maybe we're talking about certainly a game six last night in Denver, and maybe even we're talking about a game seven tomorrow at, at Chase uh, instead of the Warriors heading to Memphis today to take on the Grizzlies. As far as the, the Peyton, the shooting and the scoring, that's been, I think, a little found money, and, and he clearly has improved his shot beyond what other teams would would dictate it on their scouting report, but in the Warriors situation, if you're trying to defend them, if if Peyton's going to be out there, he's just going to get open looks. And so I think teams are going to keep giving him open looks and he's going to have to keep making open looks. And I also think it's very fragile with Gary Payton the second, Whitey. If he goes through a stretch where, all right, he hits six of eight and then over another two or three game stretch, maybe he makes one of eight. Uh, he almost becomes potentially unplayable the other way because that can lead to transition opportunities and and mucked up offense uh, working against the Warriors. That's the whole thing with him. By the way, Coach said, and I think Gene backed him up, uh, he'd like to see GP2 play 30 minutes. And in all fairness to them, he did play in the last game, uh, the clincher against the Nuggets. He played twenty almost 26 minutes. But it's all about, as you said, what he can do offensively. And that's where I don't think the Warriors have full faith in him. When he's on, and he's, you know, he's had games where he just doesn't miss threes. Uh, but when he's on there for defense and when teams are leaving him alone and he's not helping offensively, then all of a sudden you're just a lot easier to guard, assuming he's on the floor with Draymond or, or somebody like that. So that's the whole key with him. If he can continue to be enough of an offensive factor where all of a sudden the other team's like, man, we got to cover him too, then he's going to be able to play more minutes. But if he's spotty, then it's just a guy right now that you like to spot um, defensively come in and give you a defensive burst. So that's the whole question with him is how consistent he can be offensively. That's probably the key to his, you know, how bright his NBA future is going to be. And as far as being able to keep him, I mean, I think the Warriors are going to try to do everything they, they can to, to potentially keep him into the fold. I mean, he has been 
he has been a, a, a big-time plus player and a find oh, for, yeah. for this Warriors team uh, mm. this season. 888-957-9570. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. A couple of questions on the board here throughout the morning that people have been reacting to. Do the Grizzlies scare you on the Xfinity mobile text line, Whitey? Uh, an 8.5 says the 510. They scare me at an 8.5. I think, Whitey, you're what, at a 6.5 or a 7 now? Like, you just, they don't really scare you at all. Uh, don't well, want to put words yeah. in, in your mouth, uh, but the 510, an 8.5. Rebounding, athleticism, heart, physicality. Yeah, a 6.5 or 7 is not insignificant, but I was closer to that before that series. Um, but yeah, they're. they're they're scary because of their attitudes and because of the things that they do well that are potentially weaknesses for the Warriors. So, you know, they've got that attitude they bring. They really want to beat the Warriors, and they do a couple things well that the Warriors struggle with. So that's what's scary to me about them. From the 707, Wiggs and GP2 on jaw. Others have to stay attached to Bain, Brooks, Jones, and then somebody uh, to keep Clark off the boards as well. Tyus Jones has been big for for the Grizzlies and and a big shot maker, uh, mm-hmm. and, and especially against the, the Minnesota series. He had a big one last night uh, as well. So, yeah, I think Wiggins and, and Gary Payton II are, are the primary two on jaw. And then uh, the 925 Whitey having some fun with you. Uh, does Whitey still think Jordan Poole should start over Kevin Durant if they were both <laughs> on the Warriors? I don't th- – that's an actual text. I don't think you said that. No, I didn't say that. I did but want what to point I did it out. say what? Yeah, <laughs> what I did say was Poole's a better playmaker, uh, passer than Durant, and I I think Jordan Poole proved that since I last said that, especially in that second game here. So that's what, how it got twisted. That's fine. We're having fun, but no, I never said that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely didn't didn't say that. And and look, I'm I've been known to embellish some of the things that you say to you. Know, for the effect of really sure. outraging the callers and, and texters <laughs> and listeners of this program. Yeah. But that was even Whitey a bridge too far uh, for me to, to push the, the four, the four one five. Uh, I think the Warriors will have a tough time besides Steph and Wiggins. No one else can create their own shot pool can, but he gets a bit out of control sometimes and starts taking bad shots Bad shots aren't bad shots, right, Whitey, if they're going in. I think mm-hmm. where Pumul can get himself into trouble a little bit is also with some of the turnovers. I, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, turnovers, fouls. Both teams want to play fast. Turnovers really allow John Morant to be at his best when he can get it with a head of steam going to the basket I think the turnovers are a huge mm-hmm. part of this series for the Warriors. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they feast. Memphis feasts off turnovers, and we know the Warriors turn the ball over a lot, and they've always turned the ball over a lot, and I think it's because they, you know, with their offense, they take more chances. The Warriors are smart players. They have really high basketball IQs in addition to just being smart people, but they've always, since Steve Kerr's been here, they've always struggled with the turnovers. Why is that? I think it has a lot to do with the way they play. 
player movement, ball movement. The system and guys are really keen passers, and they they take more chances. The point, though, about how the Warriors don't necessarily have a lot of guys who can create their own shot, I think that also applies to the Grizzlies. Jaw certainly can create his own shot. The other guys, and you know, again, Desmond Bain's phenomenal, but they're not a team that has a lot of guys that can create their own shot as well, which is why you want to try to take Jaw out of the equation. And I'm glad that you you know you mentioned Tyus Jones again. I found myself last night a couple of those threes. I was like, yeah, he ain't gonna make that. Oh my goodness, he had a he had a really good year, and he's kind of the point guard that remember before the season started. Boy, the Warriors could use a backup point guard. Um, you know, he's like the classic backup point guard right now. He's really good, and he's definitely uh, figures to be a factor in this series. Yeah, definitely could be a factor in this series. A couple of other text messages to get to. A couple of people weighing in on the Timberwolves and, and the way that they went out, the, the 707, uh, saying, I'm so mad at the Wolves. I've never seen a team do what they just did. Minnesota could have won the series four games to one if they were able to close. And then another uh, from the 650 had a good laugh watching Minnesota last night. Wiggins and Kaminga for D'Lo. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> D'Lo didn't play great last night, but he had a good series. Yeah, I, I was telling him. my At times, watch, he helped them at yeah. times, up and down. Mm-hmm. Watching the game last night, explaining to my wife, you know, she's a big Kuminga fan, explaining how that trade went down. I think Minnesota, they probably would do a pretty good job of convincing themselves that that's okay, we're okay with the trade and, and where we are. I think what happened to them, the way they blew those leads, it just spoke to um, – when push came to shove, they didn't have anyone that they could rely on. You know, Carl Anthony Towns was so up and down last night. You know, for all the huffing and puffing he did and the frowning and the rah, he was six for 19. And then D'Angelo Russell, three for seven. So they don't have that championship culture yet. Uh, Anthony Edwards is a phenomenal player, but he's still learning. thought it was interesting that there were times during the series where he's like, all right, I'm taking over you know, second-year player. And the reason he had to do that is because there's that that leadership void there. They're definitely on the right track, but I, I'm, I wasn't surprised to see Minnesota collapse the way they did over and over and over because um, I know their coach liked a lot about this matchup, but um, they just have some some real deficiencies here that came to light against the Grizzlies. They did, and, and look, they, they are an extremely volatile team. Yeah. We talked about it a lot. They're just they're volatile, good and bad, and so to see them play as well as they did at times, uh, the, the Timberwolves, but also to see them collapse as they did multiple times, it, it's not surprising. I, I do think uh, – Given the volatility at times, they would have posed problems for the Warriors. But look, home court advantage against a seven seed that would have been riding high off of an upset. Like to me, that would have been that would have been almost like a buy for the Warriors. Yep. So I, I yep. get I get where Warrior fans are are maybe lamenting the fact where Memphis could be potentially the most difficult matchup on paper that the Warriors could face. I know some people have them as a more difficult matchup than even Phoenix. And we'll see how Phoenix and Dallas plays out in the other Western semifinal series, Whitey. But I, I, I do think, yeah, Warriors fans would have been sitting pretty if that had been a series starting, say, tomorrow at Chase with the Warriors having home court advantage against a, a seven seed. Were you surprised that Phoenix had as much trouble as they did taking care of business against New Orleans? I know Dylan, uh, not Dylan Brooks, pardon me, but uh, I know that uh, Booker got Devin hurt. Booker. And that was 
Yeah, big factor. Devin Booker pulling the hamstring. But were you surprised that it was as difficult as it was for the Suns to wrap that up? I mean, yes and no. I mean, we're really we're talking about maybe one extra game, although the games were close, especially the games in New Orleans, uh, and and the Suns had to had to win them down the stretch. I, I was a little surprised. I, I was less surprised because of the way that it played out with Booker playing so well. I thought the I, I think the Pelicans were by the end of of the season and, and going into the playing tournament, playing much better basketball. They were almost a completely different team mm-hmm. with, with McCollum in the fold and others. So I, I think, I think they're not the typical, you know, nine seed that turned into an eight seed that won what 36 games. Uh, I, I think that team on its own merits, if they'd been together all year, probably would have been maybe a 42 or a 43 win team. Uh, so I think there's a, a different, there's a different component there uh, so I think I give the Pelicans a little bit of credit, and then with Booker playing so well in Game Two and then going down, I think there was a, a an immediate uh oh. Uh, but you go to Game Three in in New Orleans, and the Suns quickly got back on track. Couldn't quite close Game Four. The Pelicans had the big run. They they handled Game. 5. I I never really felt like they were in danger once they went to New Orleans and won Game 3, even without Booker. And I, I thought Booker would be able – I thought they would be able to withstand the loss of Booker. I'm fascinated to see how the Dallas series plays out. Dallas can be so good defensively, and they have a superstar in Luka. Like, I don't know what to make of what translates from the Pelican series to the next series for, for Phoenix, but, but I'm fascinated to see – you know, could Dallas give them a run and maybe even upset them? It doesn't seem as far-fetched as maybe it would have a week and a half or two weeks ago. As a longtime fan of, of basketball, and not just the NBA, but just basketball, it was really, to me, rewarding. I was delighted to see the Nets get knocked out. Not because of anything against Kevin Durant or anybody, but the Nets are one of those teams, and I think Philadelphia, to a degree, is one as well, and I think they're on their way out, but we'll see. They tried to kind of shortcut the whole process. We had Bomani Jones on this week and he, on the afternoon show. He was talking about that. Um, and I just, I just don't think you can do that. And, and the Nets tried. Uh, we'll get a coach that's never coached before. We'll get these two stars, and we'll figure something out. We'll have enough ability. And you just, in the playoffs, you can't win that way. And it's been so rewarding to see the Warriors with their process and their culture. And the Suns, same way, last two years, you know, they've got a real winning culture there. Um, and Memphis, we've seen them build this over the last few years. Boston, everything based uh, on the defensive end and playing together and connected at both ends. That's the way. It's just nice to be uh, reminded that, yes, to me, that that's always been the way you win in the playoffs, and it's nice to see that proven again in this postseason. And my point is I think the Pelicans are becoming one of those teams. Now, they're not there yet, but they showed a ton of growth in terms of connectedness at both ends of the floor and that basketball culture, being a winning culture at least, and basketball ops. You know, the organization, I don't know. But it was really great to see them with C.J. McCollum coming over, see them pull that together. And looking ahead to next year, and, of course, we're focused on the playoffs. You know, Zion is saying now, oh, boy, I'd sure sign an extension. If they bring Zion in and if he's on board and he's healthy, that is really a team to watch going forward, J.D., because I think they're doing it the right way. 
All right, 888-957-9570. We'll go ahead and push the break a little bit later here because we do have some people on the phone lines. We want to get them in. We're with you until noon. Don't want to let the people wait. So we're going to we're gonna take that break coming up here uh, a little bit later, and that, that allows us to get Skills and Scott and Gloria all in here. We'll start with Skills in Vallejo on 95.7 game. Hey, Skills. Hey, Whitey. Hey, John. Good to be on with you again. Um, I have a question about Gary Payton, but you guys already answered it. So uh, I'll just say that I'm really excited about this upcoming playoff series against Memphis. Um, you know, I was hoping they would play Minnesota, but that didn't work out. You know, the Warriors, they've always had like a rival in the playoffs. It's been the Clippers at one point, then it was Houston, and now the Grizzlies might be the bitterest one of all. I tell you one thing, I'm not going to miss a single minute of this second round of playoffs. Oh, it's going to be unbelievable skills. It, it really is going to be tremendous. It's going to be so juicy. It's going to be, I mean, just edgy. There's going to be smack talk both ways. It's going to be physical. You've got the young Grizzlies who knocked the Warriors out last year. I know this is a much different iteration of the Warriors with Clay back and, and just a much more dynamic, deeper team, Whitey. But the Grizzlies knocked the Warriors out. I mean, for all the talk about how the Grizzlies want to be what the Warriors were, the Warriors want to knock a team that knocked them out mm-hmm. <laughs> last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right, Skills. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous series. Juiciest series we'll probably see all year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Scott and Berkeley next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Scott. Hey, J.D. Hey, J.D. Hey, Whitey. How you doing? Good. Doing well. The whole... The whole of the second round to me is fascinating because I keep I just keep looking at it and I keep saying there's a legitimate case to be made for seven of the eight teams that have gone into the second round to win the title. One exception, obviously, being Philly at this point. And I, I just I really find it fa- what I worry about with the Memphis series, the Grizzlies really at times remind me of the Warriors in 2015. The youth, they, you know, the balance of youth and experience, the idea that people are still looking at the team and saying, well, are they ready and everything else? You know, and I just, it's a worrisome series. I would look at the Warriors as kind of the, the Warriors are kind of like the guys who go to Mosswood over in Oakland, the maybe the slightly older guys. And then you get into a tight game with them. And if you're playing to 16, you have them down 12, 11, and the Warriors would come up with a 5-0 run to finish the game. The advantage of having that experience, to me, should play some in this series, and it's really the first time in the four games, you know, after the four games set this year, where the Warriors have everybody. Again, the matchups are going to be interesting because I kept trying to figure out, okay, so what do we do with Clay? I mean, who who does Clay take in in, in this in this setup, does he does he end up? Do you try and cross match him with Morant? Does he take Bain, um, or does he or does he take uh, as I as I like to call him the Razor Ramon of the Memphis Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks? It's it's going to be it's it's a really 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 fascinating matchup. It's going to be a this whole second round, with the exception of Miami and Philadelphia, is going to be fun to watch. It really is. No, I, I, I'm with you, Scott. And as far as the experience advantage, Whitey, and then we can talk about Clay. Is it Bain or, or Brooks for, for Clay? I, I don't think it can be Ja. I mean, it, it maybe in 2016 it could have been, or even in 2019 it could have been Clay before the two injuries on, on Ja. 
Uh, I don't think that's uh, where the Warriors can go. I think it's going to have to be Wiggins among that starting group. But the experience advantage plays tomorrow, I think. It plays at the pivot points of the series. And an early pivot point is the Warriors traveling to Memphis today and playing the Grizzlies tomorrow with the Grizzlies playing a second game in about 40 hours. And so I, I think, you know, game seven on the road, maybe the Grizzlies are a little tight, a little too wound up in their building, a game five on the road. I think those are the moments, game one tomorrow, where the Warriors experience advantage can guide them through the subtle, the subtle moments that allow you to come out on top in a series like this. Yeah, two things real quick, and thank you, Scott. I, there's just no way, J.D., um, Clay Thompson, obviously with, you know, switches and things, there's going to be times when he's on Ja, but he just can't guard Ja. Um, and some of that is because of, uh, you know, the injuries, and some of it is, I think Anthony Slater made this point. It's possible that, you know, Clay's just older now, and at some point he was going to slow down anyway. So maybe even without the surgeries, defensively he wouldn't uh, have any more uh, what he's going to need to keep up with with Jaw. As far as the similarities between these Grizzlies and those Warriors 2014-15, and I get Scott's point, uh, not to nitpick. I understand what he's saying, but you know the big difference, obviously, is that team, the Warriors were built on shooting, and they would shoot in a way it's like no one's ever shot this way before. And Memphis isn't that good of a shooting team, 16th in the league in three-point shooting, which gets to one of the real keys to this series. They need to get out in transition, and the Warriors just have to. I know we've said it, but the Warriors have to limit as much as they can anything they're doing in terms of uh, turnovers, have to rebound as well as they can to keep the Grizzlies from getting out because that is what their offense is based on. Do you see Steven Adams being a factor at all in this series? I know he's in the health and safety protocols. We had a a, a texter ask uh, about that a little bit earlier, Whitey. Uh, I know they've been starting Xavier Tillman. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to play a lot, obviously, as well as another big. But do you see Steven Adams being a factor, assuming he can come back and be healthy? He's he's hurt the Warriors on the offensive glass uh, at times in the past. I think he'll get some moments for that reason. Obviously, the problem is for them, who does he guard? And then do the Warriors just destroy him? Uh, with their smaller lineups, but I think given how adept he is at offensive rebounding and how, again, that's been a warrior weakness, I think he's going to get chances to do that. By the way, for all their problems rebounding, and I mentioned in that uh, last Denver game, the Warriors got out-rebounded what uh, final number was 50-37. to However, in the fourth quarter, as you know, J.D., in the fourth quarter, they did out-rebound Denver 10-4. to Yeah, they cleaned it up down the stretch and they had to clean it up down the stretch yeah. uh, if they were going to if they were going to be able to to win that game. So 888-957-9570. Let's get Gloria in San Francisco next here on 957 the game. Hey Gloria. Hey JD and Whitey. Thank you for taking my call. Uh you hit on my point. Um gentlemen, this is uh so my meter for concern with Memphis is at a 7. Um Really, it's because of their athleticism. We, the Warriors, have a championship pedigree DNA, but our athleticism, uh, we are, you know, not as good as, as Memphis. Uh, but with our new core, with our, our the Jordan and with Kaminga, we, we got a little more athleticism. And, of course, with uh, the Mitten. Uh, they give us more athleticism. Where I really need to see the Warriors clean up at, they have to crash these boards like never before. I, I, I need a sighting of Porter on the boards. Uh, 
I I saw him in this last series. He had, you know, he was just caught looking. I need him to really step his game up. Uh, it concerns me their lack of size, but it is what it is now. Crash these boards, limit Memphis shooting to one and done. Get back on defense, make your free throws, and limit your turnovers, and we will win this series in six. All right. Thanks for the call, Gloria. Strong, strong thoughts mm-hmm. from Gloria in, in the city there, Whitey. I don't know if she's a coach or what. She definitely sounds like she knows what she's talking about. What stood out to me there, as Gloria said, uh, Porter, she used Porter as an example, uh, caught looking, and the Warriors can't do any of that. You know, boxing out, which is your fundamental basketball. You don't see it as much as in the NBA as you'd think, but it's really going to be important for the Warriors to box out because if the Grizzlies are getting extra possessions on their offensive rebounding, that could be very, very bad for the Warriors. Yeah, it could could be very bad for the Warriors indeed. Uh, I'm curious about Steven Adams, going back to him for a little bit. I know a lot of people talking about John Morant. Uh, you got to limit the paint touches for John Morant and the ability. Make him play half court. I think you said it earlier, making Ja play in the half court as opposed to getting out and really running uh, off of turnovers, off of missed shots where he can get it and and push it and go end-to-end, I think, is is something that's going to be pretty important in this series. Yeah, and he's just tough to guard in uh, in transition. Uh, I saw, maybe you saw last night on ESPN, they were showing him in transition, and he gets the ball just before he gets to half court. It's like two dribbles, and he's to the basket. It's yeah. almost, you know, it's almost Giannis-esque, and it's tough to keep a guy like that in front of you. No, it really is, and and so the Warriors are, are going to have to do that, and I think part of it, too, is the, the offensive end of things when it when it comes to that is – Taking care of the basketball, to be sure, but also taking good shots. I think the Warriors really feasted against the Nuggets. Didn't always take great shots, the ball movement, but but they hit a lot of sh- like They were hitting everything in the first three games, so it didn't matter. Good shots, bad shots, the shots were going in, and when the shots are going in, then, it, it again, it, it almost doesn't matter uh, if they're good or bad. If, if they don't go in then some of those shots can immediately be flipped to being bad shots, and those are the kind of shots that can make your transition defense a lot more vulnerable quickly. And if you get behind, then you've got a little bit of, a, of an uphill climb uh, from, from that point forward. Yeah, I know I just said that uh, these Grizzlies are nothing like the Warriors of 2015 from the three-point line, but a couple of them are. I mean, Desmond Bain did a really good job of taking advantage of the opportunities that he had from the three-point line, presumably because of how much Minnesota was focusing on Ja And Bain last night and Brooks who every time he makes his – I always think he's not that good of a shooter. It's like, oh, my goodness. He surprises me a lot with his shooting. The two of them last night combined to go 10 of 15 <laughs> they were 10 of 15 from the three-point line, those two guys. So, obviously, that's a concern and something you got to worry about if you're so focused on Ja that those guys are getting those three-point opportunities. Bain especially, and I know some people are comparing him to Clay Thompson. Yeah, who 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 winds up matching up with Bain, you think? is it Does it wind up being Clay Thompson, or does Clay go to, to, to Dylan Brooks? If Wiggins is going to be and, – and I know the switching makes it different and, and you know, matchups can can change possession to possession but uh, I think we agree Wiggins on jaw but where does that leave where does that leave clay and where does that leave Steph Brooks, if Poole's not out there 
Bro- yeah, because Brooks can manhandle somebody. Brooks is more physical, and he can take it to the basket. And Bain can, too, but where he does most of his damage is beyond the arc. So, I mean, Steph should be able to guard him, right? And, again, I'm not sure which 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 lineups we're talking about here. Cle- uh, Steph on Bain. To- yeah, yeah. I mean, if he can, you know, just don't let him, just don't leave him beyond the three-point line. That would be one way I'd look at it. Okay. Yeah, no, I th- I think I think you're onto something there. Uh, potentially, and then yeah, Clay. I mean, Brooks could be in attack mode, but Clay yeah. is sturdier, uh, mm-hmm. I think, in in terms of in terms of being able to to maybe fend him off. Not not the exceptional quickness of somebody like uh, a John Morant, of course, but somebody that that has the ability to shoot the three and shoot the three at a high level. I mean, Dylan Brooks can make threes too, but he is more streaky. Yeah. Uh, and you look at, at at last night; he was able to to hit five of six in the Grizzlies' win over the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. as they were able to close that series out uh, in six games. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll come back uh, and we'll get to some text messages here to close things out, and we will give our predictions as well. We'll run through the gamut one more time as far as our questions of the day. And uh, we'll, we'll give you all the answers here as we close this thing out. Uh, it's John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, Warriors this week, and 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, final couple of minutes here before we hand it off to... Coes and Devone as they'll take you on into the afternoon, keep you updated on everything going on with the 49ers draft as well as getting you ready for the Warriors and the Grizzlies game one, round two. It's the Western semifinals, and it's all starting right here on 95.7, the game tomorrow. Warriors live uh, at 11 as I'll be from FedEx Forum in Memphis uh, for that one, and then uh, Whitey, we're going to have an opportunity to do the post game together tomorrow, so looking forward to that. Uh, as we'll have an expanded post game for the second week in a row. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this series. Uh, one thing that's interesting is looking at the Grizzlies' view of it, and the Grizzlies feel and know that the way they beat Minnesota is not going to work against the Warriors because they just took advantage of Minnesota's inexperience. Chris Finch, the Minnesota coach, he's quoted in the commercial appeal in Memphis as saying, every single game we've lost to them this season, not just this series, has been the same. Sometimes you are who you are. And so the Grizzlies did a great job of taking advantage of that. But those opportunities that they had against Minnesota will not be there against the Warriors. And Ja all but confessed that last night after the game. said, we got to play a lot better in this next round. So... They still they're delighted to have won a series, but they still are figuring some things out here, and they got they got to figure out a lot in a hurry before the series tips off tomorrow. Brandon Clark, by the way, playing better and better and better, and he's probably going to be see more minutes. He may even be in the start back in the starting lineup again at some point against the Warriors. Yeah, could see that, and he's a very good offensive rebounder, uh, and those extra possessions I think are are, are critical uh, in this series. The four one five. Uh, chiming in here, the only team that scares me, actually this is a 408, the only team that scares me is the Warriors with their inconsistent play and shooting, stupid turnovers, dumb fouls. Those are the keys to their success. If they keep the fouls and turnovers down, their defense, which was number one in the league for most of the year, will be able to stop the Grizzlies enough to win this series. 
your thoughts? Uh, there's no question. I, and I'm still not sure how good the Warrior defense is. But if it's as good as it was the first couple games, especially against Denver, then this is definitely a team that has a legitimate chance to win a championship as amazing uh, as that would be. And it's just, I'm still not even sure who the underdog is in, in this series. Obviously uh, the Warriors won fewer games or a three seed. So they're the underdog, right? No, but they're the Warriors and you know, the Grizzlies haven't really yep. done anything. So I'm sure they're viewing themselves as the underdog in this series too. Yeah. Good point uh, by the 707 on the Xfinity mobile text line. If the Grizzlies get themselves into the deficits they did against Minnesota won't be as as easy to come back. Uh, I, right. I agree uh, mm-hmm. with that uh, certainly. And uh, the seven oh seven also less fearful of Memphis. Uh, they haven't seen this version of the Warriors, and uh, this is also somebody putting a little more stock than I think you or I are. At least at least I am in what they saw from Memphis against Minnesota. I know I think a lot of people less fearful of the Grizzlies now because they didn't play as well against Minnesota. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in that camp to a degree. I thought they'd have a much easier time with Minnesota. That said, I mean, after they kicked that first game where they got destroyed at home, they did, you know, they won four of the next five. But they were they had to come from behind uh, to do that. I, I think it's absolutely key, as we've said, and they're just Grizzlies are not going to have the opportunities to come from behind against the Warriors like they did against Minnesota. And I think I think they know that. From the 415, Kaminga should be playing 20 minutes. He proved he can hang. Kerr is too conservative, period. I don't know about 20 minutes game. I, I think we're going to see more Kaminga. I know we touched on it a little bit earlier. I think we're going to see Kaminga play a little bit more. JTA, his name was brought up as well. Uh, could you see some JTA in this series? Uh, the, with the grit and grind, um, I, th- I think it's possible. I, I know Steve Kerr mm. has said, uh, I think it is possible with a good Allah out. I know I mentioned Damian Lee, and like it, it's you know, Kaminga would get a shot, I think, with a good Allah out. But I also think, I also think you could see some of the veterans that didn't play earlier maybe get a shot uh, in this series, whether the Warrior fan base is comfortable with that or not. Uh, here's the thing about Kuminga. Wouldn't you agree that as as good as he was this year for a 19-year-old especially, and he did some amazing things, didn't rebound much. Would you agree, J.D.? I would say Kuminga didn't really rebound especially well. And that's, yeah, that's that's why I don't think I want to play in 20 minutes a game against the Grizzlies because the ability to rebound and box out is going to be absolutely vital to the worst chances. And I don't think that, at, at least as of yet, in my opinion, that's not exactly his forte. The 510, come on, guys, on the text line. This is a texter calling out other texters. Nobody wanted to see Minnesota and Phoenix, uh, but, you know, Warrior, except for Warrior fans. Nobody wanted to see Minnesota and Phoenix. Minnesota win and Phoenix lose, uh, except for Warriors fans. People, uh, you know, saying people want to see Memphis and want to see the Warriors and and the Suns and, and obviously Dallas in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that we have the the best teams have won so far every series in these NBA playoffs. I I was really surprised that uh that Minnesota took this this series as as far as they did. And maybe I didn't give them enough credit, and like I said, I know they like the matchup. I I didn't think they'd take it as far as they did, JD. Yeah, I I I thought it had the potential just because Minnesota was I think a little bit underrated. Uh, and and their volatility, I think, just they have a lot of big 
long bodies and and they're not afraid to foul and play physical even though sometimes they they get carried away with it and it and it winds up you know playing to their detriment they foul maybe a little bit too much because they're trying to make up for the fact that they're not great defensively so i think that's some of it i also think that memphis was trying to figure out how to win a playoff series for the first time so it it didn't surprise me because the grizzlies are not this buttoned up franchise they they kind of act like they want to be the next Warriors or whoever, but you got to win at one playoff series before you can start to start to make those kinds of claims. And I think they got a little over their skis and and had to fight for that one really based on the way that they played and and as poorly as they played more than more than, you know, anything else. Yeah, there was a lot of relief they showed last night with Ja dancing and Dylan Brooks dancing. They're ready for the Warriors, and they, they feel that they have a lot to prove, as you say, up and coming. And Dylan Brooks talked already when he talked about how, okay, Iguodala didn't want to come here. We're, we're, we're building a dynasty. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. It should be a sensational series. Um, and Jaw's going to be a you know, showcase player here in this series, and Bane and the Warriors just have to – limit their fouling and i think the officiating there's only so much you can do about it but how the games are officiated jd it's going to be absolutely one of the crucial keys to this whole series how tightly the officials call the games and how consistently they're calling them from game to game regardless of where the games are played all right final two thoughts here i'm going to give you my prediction and x factor my x factor i'm going to put jonathan kaminga as as the x factor for me in this series and I'm going to roll with the Warriors in seven. I think this thing goes the distance, but the Warriors go to FedEx Forum uh, two weeks from Monday for a game seven and win there to advance to the conference finals and a date with the Phoenix Suns. I think uh, Gary Payton II is going to be the X factor, and as well as he played in the clincher, he's going to have more opportunities, especially early in the series, to shut down John, and show what he can do offensively. If he can make shots, he can stay on the floor longer, and I like the Warriors to steal game one, which tilts the whole thing in their favor, and I think they wrap it up at home in six games. Warriors in six against the Grizzlies. All right, good stuff. For, uh, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Uh, great stuff, Whitey. Looking forward to talking to you to tomorrow as uh, I'll be at FedEx Forum. We've got the Warriors wrap-up. Look for that uh, after the ball game, right around 3.30, and we'll, we'll keep that thing going on into the afternoon tomorrow. So good stuff, my man. We'll, we'll talk again tomorrow. Safe travels. I look forward to it, J.D. All right, sounds good. For Whitey Gleason, I'm John Dickinson. Thanks to Craig Valentino as well. Coase and Devone coming up next right here on 95.7 The Game.